Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Dive Into Reality. My name's Gata. And my name is Nicole. And today we are delighted to welcome Liesl Sitton to the show. Liesl is a seasoned industry professional currently working as the managing partner at Bay Boston, a global private equity firm. She has more than 20 years of investment, finance, and accounting experience working at large multinational corporations. So Liesl, thank you for accepting our invite. I think we should start from the beginning. Um, So you were born and raised in Puerto Rico. How did you first become interested in finance and accounting? My parents both were accountants. They started their careers at Pete Marwick, uh, which is now KPMG, uh, one of the big four public accounting firms. And so what they always told me was study accounting because you'll get a job. And so I said, okay, good. So I went off to college and I studied accounting. And I also was a tennis player, so I played on the tennis team at UMass. It was just a terrific experience. And um, my college professors were like, hey, why don't you apply for the big four once they graduated? So I did. It actually, at the time, was a big six. And I got in. To Actually, I got into most of them. Maybe I had like four or five offers. Uh, come to think of it, they really liked athletes. So that's being a student athlete was good. And they also liked the diversity at the time. Uh, speaking both languages, coming from Puerto Rico, I think was really attractive. So I got a bunch of offers and ended up at Ernst & Young. You mentioned you attended the University of Massachusetts. Did you end up receiving any sort of scholarship, whether it was for academics or tennis? I did. I mean, that's kind of like a really interesting story. So, I mean, I grew up kind of middle class, middle lower class in Puerto Rico, single mom. I, I was very talented at tennis, as Kata's uh, mom would probably tell you. Uh, but financially in tennis you need a lot of money to succeed and to, mm-hmm. for colleges to see you and play tournaments and I just didn't have that so I would only play the local tournaments and occasionally be able to travel I got an academic scholarship thinking I'll be a walk-on in any team I'll take it on and I get to the school and just that year the team had can- was canceled wow. and and that was a fall semester And, you know, I was a little bit bummed out, but I just focused on my academics. And then what happened then was a woman on the tennis team that was cut sued the school under Title IX. And the team got reinstated the spring semester of my freshman year. And I had heard that there was one scholarship available. So, (laughs) So the woman that they brought in to be the coach was a woman by the name of Judy Dixon, you should Wikipedia her. Judy was a top junior in the country at the time to- uh, when she was young. She ended up playing doubles with Billie Jean King once and mm-hmm. Wimbledon. She had played all of the Grand Slams and she was the first woman to sue a school under Title IX back in the 70s. I went to school in the 90s. So it's this really interesting story. <laughs> and she's an unbelievable coach. Um, and I had no idea who she was because back then the internet was just getting started, right? And I don't think that people were as nosy as they are today. Um, <laughs> so I had no idea who she was. I just knew that I would be the best person on the team. And, uh, and she says that I thought I was a prima donna. I stroll into <laughs> her office and I say to her, not knowing this woman is probably tennis royalty, 
I walked her off and said, hi, my name is Lisa Sitton. I'm from Puerto Rico and I'm going to be your number one player. And she's like, okay, get out of my office. I'll see you at tryouts. And she hated me. (laughs) So then, you know, we go to this tryout and there must've been like 50 young women there. And she she she's feeding balls a lot of really bad players and then I I come up I hit the ball she comes over she's like okay okay you're gonna be the number one we had a great relationship she came to my wedding uh we still are in touch uh we see each other every year at least once or twice um I went to her wedding and so it was just great and she gave me the scholarship and I had a full scholarship at the time I was worried because my mom was getting remarried and just thought that with the income from my new stepdad that it wasn't going to be possible for me to get another scholar to, to continue there. I was thinking I'm, I'm probably going to have to go back, but then, you know, I got the scholarship and saved me. Um, but yeah, I mean, tennis was a big part of my college career. And then kind of going back to how I got into finance and accounting, my parents kind of instilled that in me and off I went to work for Ernst Young in the audit practice. Um, being that you played division one tennis, how would you say that that shaped the person that you are today? Well, you know, I I think this is kind of like the hard work, right? You just have to put in the hard work. You have to sacrifice. A lot of my friends when I was in college would go out Friday, Saturday night, uh, hang out, uh, heck of a lot more. And in fact, I was just down in Puerto Rico and I was looking through some boxes and there's a picture of us going to, um, I think we're at the time we're going to Nick Bilateri's for spring training. And the whole team is in the picture and I'm holding one of my, I think history books at the time. (laughs) And so that just kind of reminded me like, yeah, I had a lot of fun with the team, but for me, I was there for an education and it was really important that I would get straight A's or as close as I didn't get straight A's, but as close as I uh, could to getting a good grade point average because I knew that would catapult me into getting a good job um, fresh out of college into one of the premier firms, which I did. But I knew I had to have like at least at the time a 3.5. Um, and that's exactly what I got when I ended up graduating. And that being said, I'm curious as to what your major was in college and if you pursued a graduate degree after that. No, I did, I did not pursue a graduate degree. My major was accounting and um, worked for one of the big, what is the big four now? That's Ernst & Young. They're a global firm all over the world. And I ended up going to uh, work in Madrid for two years. I was in my mid-20s. It was the best time of my life, I will tell you. Uh, maybe there is, during those two years, I didn't work very, very hard, but I did develop a lot of good, solid friendships. And, and for the first time in my life, I kind of felt like a foreigner working in a foreign country. It was really foreign to me. Uh, very male dominated culture, very, um, I guess, um, conservative. And so that was to me a little bit of a culture shock. In the end, uh, I made some of the best friends of my life um, at Ernst & Young there while I was working there for a couple of years. And it was just from a social perspective, it was much different than the U.S. My life was working back in the U.S., but my work was just work in Europe. But then I just had all these amazing experiences outside of work, which just kind of taught me how to balance things out. Uh, so that was back in like 2000 from 2002. Then what happened? Do you want me to keep going on my career or questions? Um, I, I have a question, actually. Um, so yeah. we both know that you're the co-founder of the Association of Latino Professionals. So mm-hmm. uh, speaking of like culture and everything, do you think do you see that as a way of giving back to your community or why did you start that to begin with? 
So there was another guy from Puerto Rico in, in the PwC office in Boston. It's another big public accounting firm. And so taken, you know, it was called something else. It wasn't called Alpha. It was, I think, Association of Hispanic CPAs at the time. And they wanted to start a Boston chapter. So I knew a guy who was a partner at uh, Deloitte. So that's another firm from Argentina. And I called him and the three of us kind of started it. And like three months later, I moved to Spain. So we left the guy hanging <laughs> and he kind of grew it. And then when I moved back from Spain, that's where I think it kicked into a higher gear. I think Ernst & Young was a little bit more at the front front of diversity issues and bringing more folks that are from different backgrounds. And, and, and it is true. I mean, I just remember starting in public accounting, like there was probably one black person myself and that was it and everybody seemed to have gone to like boston college and uh were irish i mean really and and that was yeah it. there I was never, little diversity there was little to non-diversity when i started i started my career in 1996 and so that was kind of just really interesting like, and i just started recruiting like like there was no tomorrow so i have so i had a client serving front-facing job but I also led the diversity efforts in the Boston office and literally like our recruiting class started to shift where we had, rather than having one diverse candidate, we were kind of winning. And it was just going out there and talking to folks. So speaking of networking and just relationships in general, who would you say was your biggest inspiration growing up? Oh, I mean, that's easy. I mean, I don't even have to think about it. My greatest influence is my mom. <laughs> so, you know, single mom, she was smart. She made it work. She sacrificed probably her career just to be with us. And so to me, that has kind of shaped me as well as to where I take my career to this level. Um, you know, she would, uh, she took an accounting job, really simple, um, which, where she learned a lot about tax job, wasn't very high paying. I mean, she was getting paid like four to five bucks an hour at the time in the 80s, mm. so just to kind of give you a perspective. And then, uh, but she was like, I'm getting home. Uh, I'll pick you guys up at three o'clock. And she was always there. Right. And, um, and then at night she would play in a band because she was a merengue salsa, <laughs> like the wedding singer. And, and so, you know, again, think about growing up in this world and in the tennis and the island where people are incredibly wealthy and your mom is basically playing at the parties that your friend's parents are going to, and she's the band. Uh, and I could be more proud of her and I could be just like, yeah, I have the, the world's greatest mom. Your mom's so boring. Mine <laughs> is an accountant, plays tennis and is the way <laughs> So, uh, and she raised us with very little. My dad never gave us a dime. Uh, and so that to me, and now she has two kids where, you know, I'm a managing partner of a private equity firm. I have a wonderful home in New England. My brother is incredible career he's had. And so that to me is my role model and, and we've done really well. Uh, but, you know, financially, but also on a family perspective, I, I did the same thing. I mean, I was working at BCG as a Boston, Boston consulting group. I was doing really well with them. They wanted to hire me full time. And I just said, listen, guys, I just don't want to work full time because now I have kids and I want to pick them up at school and, and know what's going on. They need to know me. And so to me, I'm not um, I just kind of put the brakes in the career and Going back to my origins from tennis and growing up in Puerto Rico, there's this guy here, his name is Carlos, who founded Bay Boston. 
he's an incredible successful guy was like the number two guy here in for Santander Bank and had a career in Puerto Rico was a president of the Santander Bank in Puerto Rico he was also handpicked by the Obama administration to lead the finances uh, of this oversight board in Puerto Rico who is one of the I think seven or nine board board members he's he's served this term so he's just an incredible guy and he knew I was here he just called me up out of the blue and said I want you to join my firm and I said what <laughs> <laughs> and uh and kind of like me you know but but he had gone further up in his career and he um he wanted to just start his own fund investing in community banks and financial services I didn't know about investing in community banks. I knew private equity, but I didn't know that type of investing. And he's like, I need somebody I can trust. You've got the right pedigree. You've got the right background. I'd, I'd love for you to join my team and, and let's grow this. He had fundraised about 25 million in friends and family. And now we doubled that to 50 million. And now we're going to start our fund three. And so, and I said to him the same thing. I said, listen, you have me from nine to three. And at three o'clock, I turn into a pumpkin and then I can regroup and start <laughs> later at night. He's like, that's not a problem. He's like, you know, this is for us. This is not, it's not going to be, you know, you have your highs and lows and where you have more of a time commitment, it can get a little bit stressful. But I, it's, to me, my life is about my kids now. I mean, I have a 13 year old and I have an 11 year old. And before I know it, they're going to be off to college, right? <laughs> I can yeah. always work. And again, I have a center where I think there's some people who money, money is everything to me. It's like, I have enough, like, and listen, I don't have to drive a fancy car. I'm fine driving an Accord and, uh, you know, I, I'm no longer cool. I drive a minivan, <laughs> you know, but I have a dog, you know, it's just like, you would have told me 20 years ago when I lived in Spain that this is where I was going to be. I would have laughed in your face. I never even wanted to get married. Um, so, you know, I, for me, I feel like I have the best of both worlds. I, I work for a small private equity firm. We do well. I get to spend a lot of time with my kids and uh, occasionally I can play some tennis, stay active. And, you know, that's life for me. And I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Um, you know, the one thing I will say with this pandemic, I wish I own a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually talking to my dad about that the other day because we went to Mexico um, yeah. like last week. And the flight, I think the flight itself is like two hours. But coming back, we spent like four hours in the airport, like waiting for bags and everything. He's like, God, I wish I had a private jet. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. I don't wish I had a private jet when there's turbulence. I've actually traveled in them. In my previous job, we, you know, the family I worked for had a private plane and we had to travel all over the country. And the first time I did it, I thought, oh my gosh, this is great. You don't go through security. <laughs> the seats are nice. It's just like incredible. Uh, but, you know, I think to get to those levels, you, you know, you have to work a lot. Yeah. Um, and to me, again, what's more, and have a lot, I mean, it's, it's like in tennis, you can have all the talent in the world, you can work a lot, and you can still not, like, get to those echelons of, like, the 1% of the 1%. I mean, you have to have a little luck, too. Um, but, you know, for me, life is about balance. Um, yeah, I mean, money is important to a certain extent, but time is also very precious. And whether that time be spent with family members or even by yourself, just like reflecting or with friends, you know, whatever the case may be. 
I think finding the balance between those two, like you said, is something that we all strive for. The balance is critical. And I will say, I mean, that was my journey. And honestly, I think my journey was more of a simple journey because I just said work hard, talk to people, network. I never back down from any opportunity. Hey, you want to join me in my firm? You have, you don't have any idea how community banks work, but I'm like, okay, now I know. Okay, fine. Let's do it. And so then you learn, you move to the next stage. Um, and so that, that's my personality. Some folks kind of like, um, like the safety of knowing what, what's next and just kind of stay. And I think that that's fine too. You know, you need people that are both. Yeah, and I think ultimately having both will lead to, well, obviously personal growth, but that eventual success that obviously we all want to achieve and just kind of finding the path that fits you personally. But um, Lisa, on a closing note, is there any words of advice or wisdom that you would like to share with students like ourselves? One thing that I, I leave you guys with is whatever you do, if money is what you're after, you're not going to succeed. If learning Mm -hmm. is what you're after, learning and just learning from your experience and trying to get to the next level from an experience perspective, then I think you will succeed. You work hard, you play hard, you learn, and you kind of, that's how you grow. Um, And do something that you like too. I mean, don't, like I tell you, you know, do accounting, get in there, but I liked it and it was, it came easy for me and um, I, I like studying and studying it. So that's, and I like people and I like talking, as you can see, um, <laughs> but also, you know, you know, also eyes wide open. I was talking to somebody else, a friend of a friend, she goes to Babson and she likes fashion and kind of blogging and all that kind of stuff and marketing for fashion. And I just said, yeah, that's, I don't know much about that career. So, but if you want to go into that career, you have to research it. You have to understand where you need to go, whether it's New York or LA. And you just have to know that you're probably not going to make a lot of money at the onset and you're going to have to work hard and eat a lot of dirt. She's like, why is that? (laughs) Because there's a lot of people who want to go into it and it's a really tough business. Um, And just know that, but if you love it, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, So, and you know, it's just, it's just kind of interesting, but go into it eyes wide open. Um, that's what I would say. So Kata and Nicole, thank you very much. And what I wish I would have is more time with you guys to hear more about what you guys are experiencing because uh, I think you guys teach us a lot. Um, so I just, I want you guys to know that. Uh, so don't fear when you go out there giving your opinion um and just expressing your thoughts because now I feel I'm at the point in my life where I feel old because there's certain things that I just really I'm not in tune with (laughs) uh so we we kind of need need your help and I may call you because I have a 13 year old who will probably be going through what you're going to through in a couple of years so well both of our lines are always open but really we should be thanking you so thank you so much for joining us today and giving us the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better we both had such a great time speaking with you today and as for the listeners thank you for tuning in remember to share this podcast with a friend or family member and feel free to leave any recommendations on our instagram at dive into reality podcast come back next week for another episode